rummaging through the archives here at Pigskin Dispatch, we found one of these great episodes talking about the Greatest Players Award jersey number six with Jeremy McFarlane of the Football's Family Podcast. And Jeremy comes on and helps us find the top players of that number, jersey six, in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Now, I'd like to get into our Football by Numbers series, and tonight we are going to cover the greatest players to wear the number six jersey in the NFL. I mean, it's a great number, and we have a lot of choices to choose from, and we're going to have some great talks here. And to share in that discussion, as I said earlier, we have Jeremy McFarland as our guest, and this is a special honor for us because Jeremy McFarland has the Football's Family podcast that's found on SportsHistoryNetwork.com, and Jeremy comes on every Thursday, talks about football and the football teams and well you know what i'm gonna let him tell you about it uh, in our interview that we pre-recorded so jeremy mcfarland welcome to the pig pen well thank you for having me on darren oh it's our pleasure uh, why don't you uh, for our listeners that haven't heard the football's family podcast why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do on your podcast well uh, i am uh, a titans fan through and through and i don't hide that at all uh and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm willing to come out here and say this. Uh, what, what I wanted to do with this is to show that football is based upon family and, and fans. And when you become a fan of a team, you take on a family mentality in a lot of ways. And I want to know why you're a fan of your team. And, uh, you know, you, you see all the million-dollar contracts and the billion-dollar stadiums, but there's a reason why that they can do that is because each and every one of us love a team. And that's what I want to talk about. Ah. That's, it's very well said. And uh, folks, when you listen to his podcast, you get that feeling every single podcast. He welcomes his guests in. I've been on there uh, once or twice. Uh, very welcoming. It's a very family-friendly uh, podcast, uh, something you'd be proud to let your, your children listen to. And uh, you learn a lot about the game of football. And so we appreciate Jeremy for that. But tonight, Jeremy, we have you on a little bit different task. We have brought you into the pig pen because we are on a journey of going through every single jersey number in the NFL, zero through 99. And we're going to talk about the great legends and the, really the, all the substantial players that wore that number and see if we can come up with a, a, a top list of, of those players that wore the number throughout football history. So all the way back to 1920 in the NFL today. So we have 100 years to choose from of players. So I, I know you were talking before um, that you have a, in particular, you have one favorite. I don't know if you want to bring him up now or you want to save him for the, uh, the well, end. I'll go ahead and bring him up. Uh, I am, my friend and I here in uh, Hurricane Mills, Tennessee, uh, we live and die Jay Cutler. And people say, well, why do you do that? Well, number one, I grew up a Vanderbilt Commodore fan, and he was pretty much the only guy that uh, made Vanderbilt worth watching for a long time. 
And, uh, you know, people said that he doesn't care. He, he didn't get phased by anything, um, watching him. And when he got drafted by the Broncos, like that's, that was my team until the Titans came to Tennessee. And I was excited about that. Uh, so I went out, bought a Titans Jersey or a, uh, Cutler Broncos Jersey. Well, I, I bought it. He got traded to Chicago. I went out and had to buy a Chicago bears Jersey. And I have that as well. Um, I haven't bought a Dolphins jersey. I don't know if I'm going to do that or not uh, because I don't know if I want to recognize this, that as his last year playing. Uh, bought all the football cards I can get. I have his uh, action figures. I have. Uh, I even have a stuffed likeness of him. It was on Amazon one day real cheap. And I said, you know what? This is probably creepy for a 30-year-old to buy a stuffed likeness of a football player, but I bought it. Uh, I've got... And, and Darren, I don't know if you could see this. Let me put this up here. Um, oh, yeah, I see now. Autograph. Yes. Autograph picture of Jay Cutler in a Broncos number six jersey. Do you see this, though? Oh, yeah, a little crease going across it. I got that a few years ago. He autographed it, sent it to me, and I was excited. Put it back in the envelope that it came in. Went to show my wife, and she had it in her hand and was and ripped it the envelope in it and uh she thought it was empty and at that point you know i was like okay what do you do what do you do (laughs) but you know it's 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 more of a a, of a thing right now for for his name is kent he's he's gonna be on my podcast pretty soon it's more of a thing right now that we we joke about color but we both own color jerseys and and it's just it's one of those things but to, to to me from the bottom of my heart, he's the best number six as there's ever been. But there's been plenty of good ones. Let me give you some numbers here, Darren, if I can. Yeah, please do. Uh, people have, and I've heard people say, well, there's not been a, bear, a good Bears quarterback since, since Sid Luckman. But listen to this. He holds the record for the most touchdowns by a Bear in, the, in his career with 154 passing yards, 23,443. Wow. Uh, completions, uh, tw- 2020 attempts, 3271 most passing yards or most pass uh, 300 passing yards at 16, 28 game winning drives. Oh, wow. I mean, that, now, that's just as a bear. You're saying that's just as a bear. He was sacked 251 times. Now I'm telling you. This this guy was beat up, but he came back. Now, when he played for the uh, Broncos, he ranked sixth. He only played a couple of years for the Broncos. He he ranked sixth overall in passing. He's only forty two thousand yards behind John Elway. Very impressive. Yes. Now, again, people can say what they want to about him. Uh, the Bears were competitive these years. Because of Jay Cutler. Now, a lot of it, their defense was great too. But you remember that they went to the Super Bowl with Rex Grossman. If he only had an offensive line, he would have, they would have been a lot more behind it. Okay. Just say this 227 total touchdowns. He, he, to me, that, that, that deserves some respect, a little bit of respect. So, Jay Cutler fans out there, just remember, he, he doesn't care. Or Jay, you know, Jay Color haters, he doesn't care. 
about 227 <laughs> is definitely, I mean, all those stats, but 227 uh, touchdowns is nothing to sneeze about in the, the top uh, level of football. Um, I always like to look at this, as we've been looking at these quarterbacks these last weeks, one of my favorite stats of a quarterback for his career is that touchdown to interception ratio. And I show with his 227 touchdowns, he has 160 interceptions for his career. Uh, and majority of those were with Chicago. He had 109 of those 160 with Chicago. But majority of his touchdowns were with Chicago too, 154, as you said. So he's uh, pretty consistent on his um, his ratio of touchdowns to interceptions. And it's, it's not bad. There's, there's uh, many quarterbacks who you would think were outstanding at it. We found a couple of uh, this, past, this past week that uh, we said, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize he had that many many interceptions like Brett Favre you know well no I'm sorry Brett Favre I would thought would have had more interceptions he actually had a lot less than what I thought that he did so it's kind of surprised but there are some other quarterbacks that you looked at and said oh my gosh I can't believe you threw that many picks I don't remember that so it's, it's an interesting stat but you're definitely right Jake Cutler is worthy of being uh mentioned here with the number six uh he had a great a great career with that he did, and and uh, I, I'll tell you this: I have played many a game on Madden with him as my starting quarterback. Um, not all of them were great, but you know, hey, he still played. <laughs> now, now I show that his the other stat I like I usually usually look at is the overall win loss as him starting, and I have him down to seventy four and seventy nine for his career. Yeah, that was with mainly with the Broncos, and he had a bad couple of bad years with the uh, with the Bears and the Dolphins too. So uh, we don't look at that very very yeah, much. And it's not always on the quarterback either, but uh, you can only control what you can control. So, but uh, yeah, good career, good good bring up on Jay Cutler. Um, there, but we do have some other contestants here to to come up with our list. Um, we, there are two Hall of Famers, uh, according to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, that yes. wore the number six significantly, and I have them down as Benny Friedman and Ray Flaherty. And I don't know if you have anything to, to say about either one of them. Uh, yeah, Benny Friedman uh, didn't know much about him, uh, but considering the time that he played, which was early, early on, four-time first-team All-Pro, which is insane. That's good. Mm-hmm. 66 passing touchdowns, 18 rushing touchdowns. But the kicker to me, Darren, that that made me uh, look at him and said, I respect this guy. Is He was both elected into the, both the Pro and the College Football Hall of Fames. Absolutely. Yes, he was real talent. I have an interesting college uh, story about him. Um, sort of the pinnacle of his collegiate career was probably 1926. He played for Michigan. And they were battling for the Big Ten Championship. And the Wolverines, they were trailing Ohio State by 10 nothing early in a, this uh, big game they had. And the head coach of uh, Michigan was uh, Fielding Yost, famous coach. He decided to unleash the air attack after being down 10 nothing. His two Hall of Famers, the eventual Hall of Famers, Friedman and Benny Oosterbond. Mm-hmm. And Oosterbond made circus catches off of Friedman's you know, lollipops he was throwing up, and it just uh, annihilated uh, Ohio State's defense. And Michigan came back and won 17 to 16 and won what was 
now what we now call the Big Ten uh, Conference. So kind of an exciting time in uh, Mr. Friedman's. They call that Benny to Benny connection. Right. Yeah. The the Bennies. <laughs> uh, I, Benny Friedman in the pros, he had a some great teams he played on: Cleveland Bulldogs, the Detroit Wolverines, the New York Giants, the Brooklyn Dodgers. Uh, and like you said, he made it into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And uh, 1927 was one of his highlights as a pro. He was a rookie then, and he led the league with 11 touchdown tosses as a rookie. Broke that two years later, 1929, when he threw 20 scoring passes. That doesn't sound like a lot by today's standards, but think about it. The forward pass just arrived in college football in 1906. So this is only a couple decades after that, and a lot of people weren't accepting the forward pass to what we know it as today. Yeah, uh, if you pass for a touchdown pass, that was something. 20 was incredible. Yes, so he was definitely a substantial player in early the early NFL. And uh, how about Ray Flaherty? Do you have? Uh, He's you know, a Hall of Famer, like you said, a three-time NFL champ, which is incredibly uh, is just interesting too. And if you ever do any research on the Redskins back in that time, um, it just, I encourage anybody to read about them, especially about their owner. Uh, not a good guy, but a weird, weird. Weird man, period. But anyway, he was he is considered one of the 80 greatest Redskins of all time. Well, that's saying something there. It is. Uh considering that they have been around since pretty much uh soon after the NFL formed. Third third uh three time first team all pro, and uh that's what I have about him. Okay. Yeah, he uh he's also known as I think he got into the Hall of Fame actually as a coach. I mean, he was a great player too. Um, he well, failed to mention this. Jay Cutler wore number six on all the different teams he was on. He was number six his whole career in the NFL. I believe that's the same with Benny Friedman. I believe he was number six for the majority of his career, if not all of it. Ray Flaherty, I only had wearing the number six in one season in 1931 when he played for the Giants. But the Pro Football Hall of Fame recognizes that as you know, him being a Hall of Famer wearing that number, and that's where we're, we're going with that. Um, he, uh, when he left school, uh, he went to Washington State uh, and transferred to Gonzaga. And after school, 1926, he joined the the original AFL's Los Angeles Wildcats teams, and he was playing. Then he left and played uh, end with Red Grange's New York Yankees. So I think they were the barnstorming team there with Grange. Um, and then after the Yankees folded, he joined the, the Giants. Uh, but he, he had ended up going to the Boston Redskins, they were in 1936, as a coach. And in his seven seasons at the helm, the Redskins won two NFL championships and four division titles. And that's not too shabby for, for a coaching career, too. So definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, definitely in our conversation of great number sixes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, do you have you have some others that you wanted you'd like to talk about? Yeah, I've got a few. Uh, of course, my bias is going to come out. Uh, Brett Kern uh, plays for the Titans. Um, was a Bronco, and they let him go, and that they probably regret that now. Uh, I want to give you some numbers for him. He is probably maybe not this year because he was hurt, but he, he Brett, is, Brett Kern is a, a punter, correct? Yes, he is a punter. Okay. Um, Probably the best punter in the NFL. It's disputable, but you know what? 
I, I'm talking right now, so I, that's what I say. Okay. <laughs> Three-time Pro Bowler. The longest punt, 79 yards. Wow. Now, I have tried to punt in the past. I got 10 yards on the ground. It's not good. <laughs> he can kick, and, and this is the thing that people say, he's going to kick it inside the 20. He, he, and inside the 20, he has kicked one-third of his punts. They have landed inside the 20. Wow, that's that, a great stat. That, uh, when I looked at that, I thought, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I have signed him on my fantasy team on uh, Madden a few times and just to see if he could do it. He, he can. It's not me. It's him. 43,000 <laughs> yards kicking, uh, probably the best punter in the NFL. Uh, he's a weapon. And when you have a weapon that can pin a defense back or an offense back, you, you take advantage of him. Oh, definitely. Anytime you can flip the field, that's a, a major contribution to the team. Absolutely. Um, Whitey Young, W-A-D-D-Y Young. Mm-hmm. Um, he played in, which I guess would be considered a receiver. Yes. College Football Hall of Fame. Now, this man uh, deserves to be on our list for several reasons, but number one, he is a bona fide hero. Uh, fought in World War II, and if you go on, I think Pro Football Reference, they have a list. No, it might have been Wikipedia, one of the two. They have a list of the awards he won. This man is a hero. Uh, died in 1945, I believe, in a B-59 or B-29 raid, uh, a crash landing. Uh, again, he is a hero, and we thank him for his service. He uh, Absolutely. He deserves he, that. He died, I mean – not only did he die in the Pacific Theater, he died over the skies of Tokyo in 1945. Not too friendly of airspace for an American airplane. No, uh, no. And what I understand about that is uh, he was trying to save somebody, and it, it, it obviously it didn't didn't work out. But uh, that, yeah, that... I, I have down. He was assisting a fellow U.S. pilot whose plane was in distress, and then the two planes ended up colliding, and they killed all on board of both planes. But yeah, definitely a hero, but that's for sure. Absolutely. Um, Baker Mayfield, mm-hmm. uh, number six. And to me, he is a uh, – he proved this year that he is a franchise quarterback. Last year was a little iffy, but he proved this year he is a franchise quarterback. Now, now let me stop. Let's, let's talk about that for a second, okay? Because Mayfield, this is what – this is his third full season in the league? Yes. The league? Okay, now – he came out, you know, had a pretty decent rookie season, you know, for, for rookie, trying to learn the ropes. Second season, like you said, not not so not so good for Baker Mayfield. But what do you think was the big turnaround for his uh, 2020 season? Because he really had a great season. Oh, uh, I I guess mechanics had a lot to do with it. I I tried to I like footwork and. To me, he got his passes down, if that makes sense. He got oh, yeah. his passes down. Um, he still has great mobility. He still has a great arm. But he had his mechanics to the point where he could keep the pass within the receiver's range. And not only that, but their coach and their the team that they put around him just elevated Baker Mayfield. Um, I hate to say this. Uh, mainly because the Titans play in the AFC, but he they're going to be a, a force for, I'd say, four or five more years. 
Oh, yeah, they've definitely got a great, I mean, he's a great nucleus piece, and they've got some other great pieces, you know, with the, the running backs, you know, with uh, Chubb and uh, Hunt, and the you know, the offensive line they really built up this year. I think that maybe was a big contribution to, to Mayfield's success. He had a little bit more time in the pocket. And, uh, and what do you think, okay, now this is when, I, I live 100 miles from Cleveland, and I hear a lot of what the fans say, and we have a lot of the Cleveland news happens here. And some people have a theory that when Odell Beckham got injured this year, that's when Mayfield uh, sort of took off on his, his great run of uh, you know, having a great, great season. Before that, he was sort of mediocre like he was you know, in years past, but he really took off when they lost what many you know, say is a, the Cleveland Browns' best receiver on their roster. Well, mm-hmm. if you remember uh, Don, uh, Donovan McNabb, Mm-hmm. Uh, Terrell Owens, uh, just a diva, just a diva. Wanted every the intention with him and all that. And McNabb did better without him in a lot of ways. Um, a lot of what what I've seen with with wide receivers that demand the ball, which that's what they're supposed to do. But a lot of it, you force it into that player. Uh, because they can do insanely great things like Odell Beckham can. With that player gone, you're not forcing it to one player 60% of the time. You could spread it out, and you actually can see that you have Jarvis Landry and you have Nadoku and you have uh, other players out of the backfield. You have a, 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 a whole group of people that can do what, of course, Odell Beckham is probably the best receiver in the league right now, or if not, the best in the top three, uh, but you, you have the opportunity to spread it around. And I think that's how Baker, you know, he finally got used to the fact, you know what? I don't have to throw it to one guy all the time. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And this is astonishing. His stats, when I said he made a turnaround, his 2019, like I said, I love the touchdown to interception ratio. 2019 Baker Mayfield, 22 touchdowns, 21 interceptions, almost one for one. 2020, he had 26 touchdowns and only eight interceptions. Big turnaround there. I think you're right. I think he he found his running backs in the passing game a little bit, uh, and to uh, you know, have a better offensive line and uh, having more confidence in his other receivers and not having to feel you had to go to one receiver all the time. I, I uh, we miss Jack him. Conklin here. Oh, we miss him. Uh, I'll bet. <laughs> but I got some more. Got some okay. more. All right. Great. Um. I have here uh, Mark Sanchez, uh, probably known best for the butt fumble, but guys, he was uh, a little bit better than the butt fumble, but that's all I got. He was on the Mass Singer. I didn't know that. That TV show on Fox, oh, yeah, yeah. the Mass Singer. I did. I didn't know that. That's that's new Ooh. to me. Um, Bubby Brister. Oh yeah, Bubby Brister. Boy. Yeah, Bubby Brister played for the Broncos. And here's what I remember from him. Uh, they had drafted Brian Greasy the year that John Elway, the year before John Elway retired. And they said that Bubby Brister would take over. And I remember reading on Sports Illustrated because we didn't get anything Broncos related here in Tennessee. And the only thing I remember is that his wife compared him to a puppy who has to take naps during the day because he is so energetic. 
Now, why do I remember that? Of all things, I can't remember what I walked into a room for, but I can remember that his wife compared him to a puppy. <laughs> and his name is Walter Andrew. I didn't know that either. Yeah, I think it was the story goes his uh, sisters called him Bubby when he was, you know, a toddler and the name just sort of stuck one of those, those things. But here was something that was surprising to me. Now, I always think of, you know, Bubby Brewster, you know, the, the late 80s uh, quarterback of the Steelers. You know, he, he, he was a starting quarterback for a handful of years. And I thought, you know, I always remembered him as being, you know, kind of an exciting player. And I enjoyed watching Bubby Brewster. I look back at the Steelers' records as him as a starter, and his best record as a Steelers starter was 1990. They were nine and seven. Now they did play in an AFC Championship game uh, with Bubby, and they lost to Denver, I believe. Uh, Merrill Hodges on that team. Yeah, it was a close. It was a close game, but Elway did one of his uh, amazing Elway things and pulled the game out late, and uh, so the Broncos win the Super Bowl. Uh, but I was I was kind of surprised that. Uh, he was basically a 500 quarterback with the Steelers for about seven seasons. As a matter well, fact, that tells you, that kind of tells you about the the football status in the Steelers in the in the 80s. You know. Yeah, I, I didn't realize. I was thinking he would, I would have guessed it would have been a little bit better record than that. But uh, he he left the Steelers, played with the Eagles for two years, uh, played with the Jets, and then the, the Broncos for three, and uh, finished up with Minnesota in the year 2000. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and Bubby is a, uh, is, is a player that if you had to have him come in, it wouldn't be a bad thing. It wouldn't be a bad thing. He, he would, he would be solid, but he's not the one that you'd build your franchise around. No, uh, his touchdown to intercept ratio is 81 to 78. So he's another one that's about the one for one on, uh, Touchdowns and interceptions over his career. Now, if I remember correctly about Mark Sanchez, his was 74 and 79, so he was one there too. Um, I did find some more, and uh, I'll go through these real quick. Uh, the best hair of this bunch is Charlie Whitehurst. Okay. I'll agree with um, that. <laughs> all I put down is epic hair. Um he played for the Titans, so I got to see him up close, and I can admit that uh, his hair was amazing. Um, Ryan Suckup, uh, Super Bowl champ, played for the Titans. He has a uh, 83% field goal uh, percentage, 83 hit, 83% hitting, so that's pretty impressive. Um, Ray Lucas, many of you may know Ray Lucas. If you're a Jets fan, you probably uh, know him as well, but – he uh, had a very, very bad day in October 29, 2002, with four interceptions and two fumbles. Not a good thing. Kevin Butler. Now, growing up playing uh, Tecmo Bowl, Kevin Butler, I'm very familiar with him, uh, was the first kicker in, inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. One yeah, of the greatest. Yeah, I, I didn't either. Uh, one of the 100 greatest Bears of all time. And he is a Super Bowl champ, played for the 85 Bears. Now, I remember him. They had a commercial with him in it back in the day where he is sitting on a, on a, on a couch and a psychiatrist is talking to him. He said, they don't even give me matching shoes. <laughs> you know, because he had the kicking shoe and the, the, in the walking shoe. Yes, right. <laughs> I, I, again, why do I remember that? That just shows you that the 80s were good, were real good people, real good. <laughs> 
but yeah, you know, there's a lot of kickers. Joe Nedney, known as Joe the Toe, eighty mm-hmm. percent field goal, uh, field goals. That's pretty pretty decent too. And uh, you know, it just kind of goes on from there. A lot of punters. Um, Ryan Allen uh, has a long as sixty seven yards punting. Uh, Roddy Lamb. Now I want to give you some uh, an interesting stats on Roddy Lamb. You ready? Okay. Yeah. No touchdowns, one interception, and eight yards passing in his career. <laughs> oh, now, what yeah. do you do? Yeah, right. But there, uh, there's another one. Gene Rod Ron Zanny. I butchered his name. Uh, didn't know this either. He is the second head coach in Packers history. Ah, very interesting. So we're getting into some some interesting yeah, some stuff. Good history there. Good history. And here's one more I got for you. Here's another Vanderbilt Commodore. Jim oh. Arnold is considered probably top five greatest punters of all time. And he wore number six. Nice. Well, I, I had, I mean, most of that list uh, you covered. I had one more quarterback that had some significance. Mark Wilson, who uh, was with the Raiders, I believe. Yes, he was with the Raiders uh, for both in Oakland and L.A. and uh, basically the 1980s. And he, he spent his last couple of years with New England. He uh, was a starter for most of those years with the Raiders, I think about four or five of them. But he didn't really have a his touchdown to interception ratio, 86 touchdowns, 102 interceptions. That's probably why he didn't uh, last as a starter out there with the silver and black. Uh, but still had a nice career, 10-year career for a quarterback in the NFL. Nothing to shake a stick at there. Yeah, I have him down with a – it says pretty solid quarterback from the 80s. And keep in mind, up until uh, Bill Walsh came out with Joe Montana, the, the idea of having less touchdowns and interceptions isn't that uncommon. Uh, you know, Joe Namath had a pretty high percentage of interceptions. It's it was more considered a punt than it was anything else, and that kind of changed with the uh, with Bill Walsh and his movement. But uh, yeah, you're right. That's that's a lot, though. That's a lot of difference. Yeah, it sure is. It won't win you many games if you have uh, if you have that ratio a little bit more stabilized on the touchdown side. Okay, I think we have a pretty good selection. Now, I think. Um, it's probably fair if we try to choose five of those those folks that we just talked about the war number six. Okay. Between the two of us, we can narrow that down to be a top five number sixes in NFL history. And well, we got to go with the Hall of Famers. They, yeah, I think the Hall, right. I think the Hall of Famers are definitely two of those slots. All right. So we'll put Friedman and Ray Flaherty as our two of our top five. One and one A. There you go. There you go. Let's uh, let's talk about Jay Cutler. Okay. I I feel I mean I'm I'm not a big Cutler fan. I I think he is a great great player, but I think that uh, looking at these other players, I think Jay Cutler ought to be in that top five. And I I know you're probably gonna argue against that. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, looking at the number sixes, uh, he is number three. I agree with that. I agree. He's a solid number three on there. Absolutely. Now, here's where he kind of gets a little gray. Okay, because uh, do you go quarterback or kicker or punter? 
And how do you rank punters? Well, let's let's talk before before we even get in that conversation. Uh, we talked about Waddy Young. Yes. Waddy Young only had one season in the NFL. Right. And it was because of his passing for a service to this country. Um, well, I would, I don't know if we can put him as the great, you know, as far as being a player on the field, but I think if we don't put him in there, he's definitely an honorable mention for being just a great human being to wear number six and played NFL football. Oh, I'd um, give him an honorable mention, definitely. Yeah, okay. That's right. I think we're agreement with that. So not to overlook what his he did, but only having such a, a brief career probably doesn't uh, put him up against the qualifications of some of the other folks we have on this list to choose from. Now I missed one, Rolf Ben Benertz. Okay, ben I can't Benersky. even pronounce his last name. It's, I think it's Benersky. Rolf Benersky, yes. You're right. He's a Charger Hall of Fame, part of their 40th and 50th anniversary team. Now that's pretty solid too. Yeah, yes, it is. So, I mean, yes, it's, it is. Uh, so if we're going punters, if we're going kickers, uh, you got to put one of those in there, I, w- I would say. Okay, well, I, I agree with that. I think probably, even though it's um, before we even get to the, the punters and kickers, I think, what do you think about uh, Baker Mayfield? Should he be on that list with only three years? Or, I mean, he's, he's shown that. He's, he's won a playoff game now, unfortunately for our Steelers. But he is uh, he has won a playoff game. He does, you know, he has uh, commanded an offense for three seasons under three different coordinators in Cleveland, uh, three different head coaches too, I believe. Um, I I personally feel that Baker Mayfield deserves to be in that that top five over maybe possibly a kicker or a punter. That's just, okay. that's just my feeling. I, I, think, I, I, I can see that. I think we'll be talking, you know, 10, 15 years from now and saying, oh, yeah, he's definitely on that list. So he, probably, he may be in the same class as a, a Cutler or something at that point. Um, oh, they're both gunslingers. So yeah. I, I, I could see that. I'll give you that. Okay. All right. So that leaves us with one spot, and it's down to our kickers and our punters. And I don't I, know what – if we're going to go longevity, no, I wouldn't go longevity. I'd say it was probably going to be Kevin Butler. It'd probably that's, be Kevin Butler on my list. That's that's who I was going to suggest probably of, all, of the names that we have there. Because I think he's probably the, the most renowned uh, of the kickers and punters that are on that list. So if we, we settle on that for our five then, so we're going to have uh, Kevin Butler, Baker Kevin Butler. Mayfield. Jay Cutler, uh, Ray Flaherty, Benny Friedman, and Waddy Young is our honorable mention uh, for his heroism of uh, what he did for our country. If he was alive, we would have him go out there and, uh, you know, he would flip the coin for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, gosh, that was a, that was a good discussion. Those are good number sixes and some great football history. Now, I'd like to turn the uh, – Change tunes to directions just for a little bit because I want to get back more into your your uh, football's family podcast. Now we talked a little bit about what you've done so far. What do you have coming up for our listeners that they can look forward to in the near future? 
Well, I might have somebody who is talking to me uh, on there in the next couple of weeks. But we also have um, we also have somebody, uh, Jennifer Taylor Hall, is going to be on talking about her book. And then uh, I have coming up Sunday or Saturday, I should say, which this is the 11th will be the 13th. I have a another Lions fan. They're coming. I didn't know that there were more than one Lions fan. I didn't know that. <laughs> Oh, no. Uh, we have another Lions fan coming on. And then next week, um, I have another author. And I am going – and we're right now we're working with Chris Willis to get him on. So, Lord willing, I'll get him on as well. He, he will talk about his work with the NFL. Um, I, I'm actually uh, – I'm enjoying this way too much. It's almost a crime. Well, you're – Probably not enjoying as much as your listeners are because we, we sure love your show. And uh, you want to let everybody know um, your, you want to call out your Twitter handle. Uh, yes. You can get a hold of you and when your show. Yeah. And, and get a hold of me. Let me know how bad I am with picking Jay Cutler. I, I, it's fine with me. I love the hate. I love the hate. Uh, it's at, at J E R E M Y underscore M C F A R L I N on Twitter. And it's the football is family podcast, Twitter page. Also I'm on Facebook at football is family uh, podcast. And uh, I want soon to have a, a website of my own for this to link to the sports history network. Um, but you'll also see in the next little bit, Darren, Darren and I, he, he he's going to help me out with this. But we're going to be writing some articles, hopefully, about the Super Bowl rings pretty soon. And I'm working as well when I can find the time that my kids are not off of school because of the weather down here in Tennessee. I'm going to start writing on the 2008 Tennessee Titans, which was the team uh, if anybody remembers with Chris Johnson and, and uh, Kerry Collins, the team that uh, nearly it should have won the Super Bowl that year if it wasn't for a fluke injury of Chris Johnson against the Ravens. Yeah, was that Johnson? Was that his 2000 yard year? No, I think that would be the year after that. But 2008 was a year that they uh dominated, it was just incredible team. Um, also, I have I've gotten in contact with a former Titan, just working out some deal with him to come on. Um, man, it's it's just it's just a lot of fun. It yeah, is a lot have, of fun. You have a real busy schedule. That's uh, you have almost a year's worth there covered up. <laughs> well, see, that's that's what you do with a year like twenty twenty. We want to get it all, have a lot more fun this year. Yeah, that's for sure. And uh, hopefully, we'll be able to get more uh, do more social things other than doing uh, Zoom calls and uh, phone calls. You know, so absolutely have people in attendance at football games this season. Hopefully, well, absolutely. Well, Jeremy, I greatly appreciate you coming on here and helping us with this project with the number sixes. And I'm hoping we can get you on for some of these other numbers coming up here, here as the weeks go on, because we have a, a long journey ahead of us. Uh, 94 more numbers, I think. <laughs> so, well, let's, I'm, I'm here to help, my friend. Okay. Well, we appreciate you. Again, you can catch Jeremy's uh, podcast every Thursday on the SportsHistoryNetwork.com, the Football is Family podcast. And it's a really good time. As a matter of fact, as soon as you get done listening to this podcast, Go over and do some uh, binge listening because uh, he's got some great programs and some great guests. We so just released, again. yeah, we just released the one over the Giants. Ah, okay, we have a lot of Giants fans out there. So once again, Jeremy, thank you very much for joining us and helping us with this project. Thank you, Darren. 
What a great guy and a great football historian Jeremy is. He has a very interesting podcast. you got to check it out because he is really a funny guy, uh, and he just uh, uses that humor all the way through all of his podcasts. You'll get a kick out of it. It's on every Thursday on the SportsHistoryNetwork.com, and you can find Jeremy and, and this podcast on there, as well as there's uh, 15 other podcasts right now, and uh, Arnie Chapman's always adding more on there. So if you love sports history, you got to go to the SportsHistoryNetwork.com and check out all those great podcasts. And And uh, until tomorrow, everybody, have a great Gridiron Day. Peeking up at the clock, the time's running down. We're going to go into victory formation, take a knee, and let this baby run out. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you back tomorrow for the next podcast. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com.